I mean, it's a rain or shine event because mm. the way we the way we've thought it up, the people that were affected most by nine eleven never had a choice of how their day was going to end. Yeah. So for us, okay, we got to hike in the rain. Okay, we got to do it. Yep. And the response that we get when it's when it's one of those like crazy weather days, I mean, it, it's really people get what the event is all about. It's about the memorial, and that's sure. what we want to keep everybody focused on. It's and I, it's really great to see when okay, you're going getting to the summit, and there's absolutely no view whatsoever. It's cold. It's raining. And they set up their flags, and and usually at that point, we have the twelve to two window. But I mean, that's yeah. I mean, we say be smart, right? Just just use, be use smart. Your use use your better judgment. If yeah. if you want to just fly it for like a half hour, that's fine. Turn around, come back. Mm-hmm. You know, no, we don't want anyone getting hurt during this. But. Right. And there are, there are times when you know the wind is fifty miles an hour and gusting to sixty seventy tears the flag apart so you know i mean we were talking about um adams a few years ago i did it with one of my groups and we literally didn't even set up a flagpole we just had one section we attached the flag and then we moved to the leeward side of the peak um, because the wind was so uh, rapid it was so violent that we just literally couldn't fly the flag it was tearing itself apart you didn't want to turn yourself into a kite i did not want to turn myself into a kite that would have been unpleasant Farthest distance. Or anybody from California? All right, we, we don't like the West Coast anyway. They get all switchbacks. All right, welcome everybody to the, the podcast. Prepare to be bored for the next 90 minutes. 
Chomp, I actually, I, I meant to ask you this question and it occurred to me when I was getting dressed today, I was trying to decide whether I'm gonna wear shorts or pants. And I, I, you don't wear shorts. <laughs> never. You yeah, don't never. wear shorts, what is that? It's a search and rescue thing. It's like when you're out there on the trail carrying somebody, you don't want your legs getting dug up and chewed up by our glorious trails up here in the whites. Let me ask you this. If you go to the beach, will you wear shorts or do you still wear jeans? <laughs> yeah, polyester, pure polyester long pants at the beach. You do? Oh, yeah. You don't wear shorts at the beach? And fleece. No, are you serious? <laughs> yeah, I swear to God. I don't know. I'm going to have to ask Mrs. Stomp about that. But I just find that interesting because I'm in shorts 24-7. 24 7 huh yeah, anyway so um <laughs> so i think tonight here so we got our live show here so hopefully we don't bore the hell out of everybody but the format is going to be the same as we typically do our regular podcast except i'm going to throw in a stand-up comedy routine i'm going to attempt here so um bear with me as i as i go through this um but I did want to start off by thanking Stomp for not taking any search and rescue calls during this and leaving me by myself because I would never forgive him for this. Uh, but I imagine. Am, well, Mrs. Stomp is here; she could fill in. That is true. But I Come am. On. Yeah. But I am pissed off because you scheduled this on the night where House of Dragons is playing, so I'm gonna miss that. Um, but anyway, welcome to the event, folks. Um, and now that I have you here, I actually have a confession to make. This is not a podcast. This is a chance for me to get everybody involved in my essential oils pyramid scheme. So my mentor is going to be presenting um, for the next eight hours to get everybody signed up. So, uh, But no, seriously, we're going to be focusing on hiking here. Uh, but our topic is mostly going to be the next hour and a half debating whether or not um, hammocks or tents are better. Okay. Sounds tantalizing. I'm dying here. I'm absolutely dying. I'm definitely not going to stand up um, Stomp, this is the part where you said insert Stomp's dad joke here. <laughs> I just pulled it off. Oh, you did? Okay. <laughs> anyway, but that's the end of my jokes. But before I get to the show, I did want to welcome everybody and give a special shout out to those of you coming directly from a hike. I've gotten a chance to speak to some of you and you smell just like the back of Stomp's Tacoma. So... Thank you, for, oh, thank you for not showering. I appreciate it. Um, but that's it. That's all for my, my stand-up comedy routine. Um, but I do want to give a shout-out to our regular coffee donators. Uh, definitely keep the coffee going because Stomp is planning a trip to Hawaii this year. <laughs> so we need all the money that we can get. And then I have to pay for my membership to the Gilmore Girls uh, fan club this year. So we need that. And, all right. And then the last thing I would say is that if this show ends... Please, nobody leave me alone anywhere near Mrs. Stomp. Rumor has it that I've got to watch out for a knife in my back because she's going to take over my position. So, all right. So I used to work at a comedy club, and I always used to, like, watch these guys do the comedy routines, and they would bomb, and this feels exactly like that. So, <laughs> sorry about that. But anyway, Stomp, so we're supposed to talk about the genesis of the podcast. So for those yeah. of you that have never like listened to the podcast and you're like just here getting a beer and like, you're like, what the hell have we run into? Yeah. Um, this is the Sounds Like a Search and Rescue podcast, which is a podcast about hiking and search and rescue in the White Mountains. And uh, we started this, we started talking about this like four or five years ago. Yeah, long time. Yeah. yeah. And then how did we end up here, Stomp? Yeah, let me adjust that for you. All right. <laughs> How do we end up here uh, in front of all these great people? Jeez, um, I don't know, man. I was like, the first few shows were pretty rough, but um, 
you know, we would hike occasionally and bat around the idea again, and it just never went anywhere. And then I think there was just a lull in our busy lives, and we were like, let's, let's do it. Let's, let's try to make this happen. So you started scripting up the first few scripts, and um, you know, I made sure I got some of the gear. I've been doing some of this production for quite a while for audio and stuff like that, so it was a good fit you know, for me. It was like, I can, I can help this out. You know? Yeah, I think COVID helped because we were talking about it Oh, but we were absolutely. always so busy with work and everything. And then when COVID happened... COVID was so great. It was. It was. It was. And I will say that, like, my family made fun of me when I was like, I'm going to do this podcast. And my family, I'll introduce them in a minute. They're all here. They're going to be hiding in a minute. But um, they would all make fun of me. And they're like, oh, my God, Dad's going through a midlife crisis. He's starting a podcast. And it's not going to go anywhere. And it's going to be horrible. And now I just got to say, like, you know, this isn't a big crowd. But, like, people are paying attention. So I was right. Oh hell yeah. yeah! No, it's a niche. I mean, clearly, it's. A, I mean, this isn't Gillette, but hell, it's a start. Yeah, exactly. But uh, anyway, so a little bit. Of, right. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, slasher at Gillette, maybe. We'll see. For the five hundred. I don't know about that, but um, I think just to give a little bit of background, we had some notes here about like sort of how we make the podcast. So typically, yeah. in case you're curious, we typically record on like Monday, Tuesday night. We've very rarely ever done a morning podcast. I think we did one episode that was a morning podcast, and it felt oh, really yeah. weird. So we, super, super weird. Yeah, we'll usually um, do it at night, have a beer. Speaking of which, I don't have a beer here. I, I had a um, carryout stout, but I don't have anything left. It'd be oh, great to heck, get somebody another wanna, one. Somebody want to set Mike up with a brew? Yeah, exactly. Oh, thank you, Ian. Yes. But um, so we typically record on a Tuesday night. We talk about the Woodpecker Studio. So the Woodpecker Studio is really based on, and we talked, Mrs. Stomp talked about this. It's based on the old restaurant that used to be in Thornton. Is it Thornton? Yeah. Thornton. yeah. Thornton. And um, so we named it after that. But Stomp's house is really the real Woodpecker Studio. And then mine's the Woodpecker Studio South, which yeah. is my basement, which right. is my laundry room and my, my work <laughs> office. And um, typically that's how we. We record. Yeah. yeah. It's an interesting process. Like, he'll send me all the, the tracks after the fact, and then I'll marry them all together and then add all these drops in um, and segues and this and that. And uh, it's just a lot of fun. Yep. So, we're, and we will be opening up uh, QA at the end of the show in case you have any additional questions about how we make this show. But um, moving on, I guess, from the, the process. Stomp, I guess the one thing I wanted to ask you was like, do you have any like moments that stand out around um, highlights, worst shows, anything else you want to talk about? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, the winter shows seem to be a big hit anyway. A um, lot of listens on that one. And uh, by the way, this is the 100K celebration uh, for downloads, but we're actually at like 110 now. So we're, we're just cruising past it. I think we average like, yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. Um, couple thousand three thousand a, a month or so i mean it's, it's crazy but it's super cool and it's all because of you guys listening it's uh it's awesome but ty gagney was a huge uh episode for me personally i mean we put a lot of time into that that was a two two episodes to have ty in and talk about his books and uh, his experiences and i think that was really cool another favorite of mine actually was uh colonel ninnis from uh civil air patrol he was funny as hell, right? Yeah. And then, and then BB from Solo. Those are my favorites. Yeah, those are good. And I, yeah. I remember like uh, Colonel Ninnis, when I started talking about UFOs, he's just like, uh, <laughs> what is this guy talking about? So that was probably my w worst moment. Oh, it's so. so funny. How about you? 
I would say I was thinking about this as I was driving up. I think my the one moment there's one thing that I really regret, and I think it was in like the first or second episode where we did a segment about Franconia Ridge, and I think I talked about Guy Waterman, who is somebody who gave back a lot of like work, and uh, you know he's really an important person in the history of the White Mountains, and I think I sort of. I don't think I did him justice when I spoke about him. And um, instead of focusing on sort of the end of his life, I think that it's really, I regret not focusing on everything that he did in his life to give back to the White Mountains community. So I definitely plan on doing a deeper dive on Guy in the yeah. future. So I think that's the one thing that I really regret. But oh, you yeah, know, yeah. as you do we these things- focused in on that. Exactly. It's, yeah. it's not relevant really in, when you look at the totality of his life. So I'd say oh, that's probably prolific. the biggest- yeah, that's he was probably like the a Joe experience. Dodge. Yeah, exactly. So absolutely. Anyway, but um, highlights you had Ty um, coming on the show was great, and yeah. um, I think the dog rescue episodes for me were always the funnest and most interesting <laughs> because it's a challenge. Like we, I'm always interested in talking to people that have been involved in rescues, but it's really a delicate situation because you don't want to be like an ambulance chaser, and you don't want to, you know, I don't want to bother people that have been involved in rescues unless they voluntarily are interested in talking about it. But with dogs, like they can't talk, so we can get every, all the information we want about dogs. So I've always yeah, been yeah. fascinated by that. Absolutely. And uh, one person couldn't make it tonight. It's Paul, the voiceover guy. Um, he's he's been a huge part of the show. I think just in general, I think it gives it character and branding and whatnot. And I don't know if anybody's researched his his work, but he is one of the most talented voiceover actors out there. And uh, he's on probably. 90% of some of the commercials you, you've seen and listened to, but uh, he has a message, so I'm just going to play it quick. Hey, welcome to the Sounds Like a Search and Rescue podcast 100,000 download celebration here at Reckless Brewing. I wish I could join all of you, but I'm currently on assignment in an undisclosed location. To find out where, tune in next time on undisclosed locations <clears throat> seriously it has been an absolute pleasure to work with mike and stomp on their new adventure and i hope that my humble contribution has given you the listeners an enjoyable experience and uh just between you and me if you want more of that enjoyable experience my number is 213 what i just so they can talk to me on the phone no <clears throat> All right. Um, on behalf of Mike and Stomp, I'd like to thank you for listening to this dumb podcast. I didn't write this. Stomp wrote okay. that. It's not a dumb podcast. It is an absolutely fantastic podcast. I listened to it. In fact, I just caught the latest show with Stomp and Mrs. Stomp. All I have to say, Mike, watch out. Now, get out there and crush some super mega peaks and have a good time bye yeah. yahoo how much did that cost <laughs> <laughs> oh he's he's so generous too he's been he's been a good buddy of mine for ages and I'm just blessed to know him i've asked you this before but like that guy like he, he's is he like super tall like he speaks very tall i've never met him no he's sort of short like you he is but he's yeah. got that voice <laughs> How do I get that voice? No, he is. He's sort of, he's sort of stocky. Oh, I'm sure he'll appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs>
All right. So this is the part of the show where we're giving um, shout outs. So Nicole from the Taylor James Steves Foundation, are you here? Nicole. Hi, Nicole. All right, so we, we had Brittany on from the foundation earlier. So they're doing a fundraiser this month. So we wanted to give um, the fundraiser for Taylor James Steve's Foundation one more shout-out. If anybody's doing any hiking this month and you want to um, participate in the fundraiser, go ahead and sign up. We'll have it in the show notes. And um, they're definitely they're raising funds for people that have cancer that need support through their um, – uh, through their cancer treatment. So great foundation, and I uh, wanted to give you a shout-out. So welcome, Nicole. Um, and next I wanted to say hi to Martin, Martin Pizzani. Pizzani. Yeah, you do it. Hey, Martin. It's a Pizzani. Yeah. So, so Martin's been he? on the show a couple times. So we're going to be doing a Q&A later in the show. So the first three people that are brave enough to come in and uh, come up and ask questions, <laughs> we'll give you one of Martin's books. And these are signed, right, Martin? Yep, they are signed. All right. Um, and then I've got here, I want to welcome my family. So I've got uh, my wife, Kristen. Say hello, Kristen. And then I've got my brother and sister-in-law over here, Matt and Marissa. And then I've got my daughter, Caroline. Her trail name is 19. Put your two hands, 19. Okay. <laughs> and then her boyfriend is here. We call him, his trail name is Camel. So Camel, like he, we took him for his first hike. Camel has made the mistake of dating a girl that has like the hiking family and he's also going to end up getting like stuck on like the 5k on Thanksgiving morning like we're that family so welcome to the family camel and my folks are over here in table number one this is my beautiful wife Mrs. Stomp and my folks Ivan and Brenda they're currently filming this so if we're motivated enough we might marry the audio to this and uh, put it up on YouTube who knows yeah, and then I think the next intro or welcome that we wanted to give is to um, our friend Mark here, Nobby Hikes. He's been on the show a couple of times. Head injury Stand guy. Up. Stand Say up, hello. Mark. Come on. So He's right up here in the front, everybody. Yeah, yeah. So he just finished his 4,000 footers today. Yeah. yeah. And like anybody who is a well-planned list hiker, he finished on East Osceola today, which is perfect. The best peak you can finish on. Good planning, Mark. So, And then I also want to, um, if you take a look over here, Shandy is a super fan of ours. She's sitting down. Say hello. And then Shandy just told me before the show started, her dog, the dog's name is Sage, right? Sage just finished her 4,000 footers today on uh, Cannon Mountain. So congratulations. Super cool. Yes, exactly. And uh, me and Shandy were talking about my college shirts, Kristen. She likes them, so we're good. I know a lot of you guys have been following the um, the exploits of Larson and um, you know Steve Mason and all these guys, but Larson and Sarita just wanted to give a special hi. Uh, they couldn't make it tonight, but uh, yeah, they're out there crushing peaks as usual. All right, and then I think here, the next part of the show, we've got our pop culture discussion here, so I got some <laughs> feedback on... I had recommended the show called Paper Girls, which is on Amazon. Ever, have you watched it? Yeah. Yeah, so Mrs. Stomp says I like chick shows, but this is, I really like this, and it ties into something, I think we're going to be talking to Steve from Reckless later on, and I'll bring it up here, but it's like a Gen X kids growing up show, so that's what resonated to me. It's not really the kid, the girl stuff, 
But um, we got a couple of shout outs from people that have watched Paper Girls. So definitely, if you haven't checked it out, Amazon Prime, it's a great show. And then Stomp, I just wanted to get your reaction on House of Dragons and uh, the Rings of Power shows that have been on. <laughs> oh my goodness, what a contrast, right? I, I think I'd probably leave it at that. Um, Initially, I mean, we talked about this a little bit, but the um, House, uh, House of Dragons is really starting to stick with us for sure. This, that what was second episode, third episode, it was fantastic. Third, fantastic. So I think it is. Uh, yeah, we're missing it, right? I mean, we can put a TV up behind us and watch it <laughs> as we go. But uh, yeah, so far so good. I was uh, a little nervous, but I think they're pulling it off. And uh, honestly, I, I gave that Lord of the Rings. Um, prequel correct yeah prequel a try but i just couldn't do it sorry i'm one of those snobby tolkien fans so i'm do it i'm sticking it out with the rings of power just really? because I, the cinematography is amazing on it sure and i'm hoping that they tighten up the politics a little bit so i can understand what's going on but i think <laughs> right, right. house of dragons is a little bit easier because i've read fire and blood and i kind of know what's coming a little yeah, bit sure. uh, but Spoilers. i'm interested in people that haven't read fire and blood they're going to be like very disappointed i think so give us a, give us a, a subtle spoiler come on i would say a subtle yeah, spoiler no, no. to me is that the targaryens <laughs> this won't give anything away but it's a subtle spoiler the targaryens intermarriage between family plays a significant part in what eventually becomes a real shit show of a civil war. So it'll look beep. Look, oh, sugar show. Sure. Sorry. There's young children here. Sorry. Um, all right. So then the next thing I have on my list here is that we're all going to get drunk tonight, but we do want to remind people that sober October is approaching. <clears throat> oh yeah. Are you doing it? I'm doing it. Yeah. You know why? Because my wife has a, a new fascination with this guy named Tom Cruise and uh, I, you know, when I do the DJ stuff, my, I'm getting the man boob thing bouncing. And that's just not cool. So I'm going to try to sober up and, uh, you know, lose some weight and get chiseled, just like Mr. Cruz. How about you? Yeah, I'm going to do the same. <laughs> <laughs> right the same. on. Yeah. Right, right? Yeah, exactly. All right, we're in. That's Anybody right. else? Uh huh. Anybody else want to look like Tommy? Yeah, no? yeah. Let's promote right. sober lifestyle at a brewery. That's going to go over well. <laughs> Sorry about that. Oh, I will. I'm going to load up on beer for November, though, here, before I leave. <laughs> All right. So the next thing here, we want to give a shout-out to the Lakes Region Search and Rescue. Well, it's a benefit. It's called the Rescue Me 5K. Correct. And I think I have a link for it, but let me just open it up here. Oh, yeah. Could you do it, actually? You have a touchscreen computer there? Yeah. This is fancy. This is fancy stuff. All right. Yeah. So this, um, so Lakes Region is doing a fundraiser on Saturday, November 12th. Oh, there uh, it is. 10 a.m. It's called the Rescue Me 5K. So, um, Camel, get ready. Me and you are doing the 5K together. Um, and oh, this, that'd be nice. Yeah. This is going to be in Lincoln, New Hampshire. Um, so if you're interested, we'll include this in the show notes and uh, get out there. Even if you're not going to run, you can walk it. And now uh, it's a don it's a fundraiser to support the Lakes Region Search and Rescue. Awesome. And for um, coffee donations, I mean, again, thank you everybody for donating intermittently for us. It pays the uh, the web hosting and just all the nitty gritty stuff that we have to deal with. I mean, when we have a guest, it costs everything costs. There's nothing free. So um, this week we had some donations actually on the coffee platform. Mary B donated five and uh let me see snack attack with nalgene cheez it's so apparently she had a snack attack with uh yeah so she, what she does is she puts cheez it's in a nalgene 
and uh, has them just in case. Uh, Sarah donated three. Apparently, she did a Pemi loop in five days and complimented Mr. Mike over here on your Pemi information. That was that was a great episode, actually. Yeah, I love the Pemi loop, but I don't know if I, I'd, I'd have to think through. Five days would be a little bit too long for me, but I would. I, you could do an extended though. Like what I would do with five days is just extend it out and probably like. I would think I would probably go over to North Twin. Yeah. And come down and like add Hale and Zealand to that. Yeah. And maybe do a night that way, and then I don't know, maybe break five up. Five days. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, but it's great. I mean, there's plenty to explore out there for sure. Uh, Joe B donated a coffee and uh, the Tasha episode he references and writes best intro yet. I'm trying to remember what that was. That was that, that was, was the Gilmore Girls. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wendy A uh, donated a coffee. Thanks for the Paper Girls heads up and uh, number one fan Shandy. I suppose right over there, Shandy. Thank you very much. You donated as well, and uh, so. Super cool, everybody. Really appreciate it. And um, I've got a little cut here for Reckless. People are showing up at Spinners down in Andover. So whoever that is, if you, if you've made the trip down there and said hi, that's fantastic. They're off at of Dascom Road, off in '93. Um, Dolls and Pops. I said it correctly for once. Uh, you can get stickers and stuff down there. And by the way, if anybody needs a chair, just ask the staff at Reckless, and they'll they'll set you up with a, a stool. And uh, we have stickers over here, and we have stickers over here at table number one and uh, EMS. Actually, I want to thank EMS because they've been fantastic. Um, you know, I, I, the the Northeast go to since what 1960s? Yeah, the 60s, somewhere around the 69, apparently. Yes. But uh, check them out, and uh, yeah, there's so many buttons on that thing. I just want to like, start like fiddling <laughs> with it. That thing's interesting so stomp <laughs> handles all that stuff i just do the website <laughs> anyway but welcome to episode 74 the sounds like a search and rescue podcast it's our very first live show so i'm a little nervous but bear with us um so that we work through this new experience but stomp is on the tech so hopefully we'll be okay um you hit record right uh, oh shit yeah, no, I'm just whatever. Kidding. 
Um, so this week we are excited to be joined by our host. I think Ian, Ian and Marlena are going to be joining us at some point here. So hopefully somebody told yeah, them. We'll give them a shot. Okay, definitely. And then um, later in the show we will be hoping to be joined by I think Jim from Flags on the Forty Eight. Jim, are you here? <laughs> Okay. We'll Somebody may be here from Flags. We'll see what happens. Um, the, the plan is to potentially to give an update on the day and uh, see if they can confirm how many peaks were done and this and that, but we'll keep you posted. We're going to make some of this up on the fly. All right. And then uh, we'll also get a visit from Steve from Reckless. Um, he's got a new project that he's going to be working on that we want to talk about. We're going to have Q&A. We're going to talk about um, new... Um, satellite cell phone technology. We're going to do a little segment on that. The iPhone is getting an upgrade that may have an impact on search and rescue. So, um, And then we'll get to search and rescue news if we have time. So we're doing it live from Reckless Brewing. I'm Mike. <laughs> and I'm Stomp. Let's get started. Let's get started. <laughs> okay. What are you drinking? Oh, Reckless? I know that, but what are you drinking? <laughs> uh, this is the lager that's on lager that's on tap. It's delicious. Lager. Um, I believe that they have carry out stout on tap tonight, which is great. Steve's going to come up in a minute and fill us in. What you got cooking? I have the carry out, and I'm on number ah. two, so I'm like already getting drunk. <laughs> <laughs> carry out's awesome. Just to let everybody know, uh, Reckless donates a percentage of the pints of the carry out stout to. Pemi Search and Rescue, which is um, you know based out of this side of the notch, and uh, so that's super cool. It's a nice donation for the team. I might need a rescue after two. <laughs> <laughs> is Steve in the house? You want to come up, brother, and say hi? All right. Is he here? Yeah, he's right there. Oh, there he is. Hello. <laughs> Thank you for coming. All right. So this Look is this bounty Steve. of stickers. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Just come yeah. up if you want a sticker. Just come up during the show. It's no big deal. Um, so, Steve, what's the latest and greatest in the the brewing um, plans for Reckless? Right well, now? first of all, who are you? Uh, You're just some random dude that just walked in. Off Steve the from Reckless. <laughs> um, I'm Steven. I'm I'm a brewer here at Reckless, and yeah. I'm on a local search and rescue team. Um, Friends with these guys and uh, occasional pop in, talk about beer on the show. Yeah. Yeah. So, what's cooking, bro? Um, well, it's Oktoberfest season. So, I, I believe what you're drinking is our, our Fest beer okay. lager. We've got two more um, seasonal Oktoberfest beers coming out. We're going to have the Marzen coming out, which is a beer that we brewed in March, and we've had it aging on steel until now. And then we're going to have a, <clears throat> a Hellas Lager, really light, really pale, and that's going to be coming out, I what's, think, at the end of this week. What's on steel mean? Uh, just like in a steel keg, oh, steel. rather than like aging it in a barrel or something like that. Gotcha, um, gotcha. It's, it, we have a lot more steel kegs rather than barrels that we can age things in. So what are you doing with pumpkins? We well, have, I was just going to ask that. We have two <laughs> pumpkin beers coming out this year. The first one is... <clears throat> the, the same beer that we've had the past couple of years. We call it Jack a Row. Um, I believe it's named after a, uh, a Grateful Dead song, I think, or something like that. I'm sorry, I'm not the deadhead around here. Um, <laughs> Ian and Kyle, to, to the other two brewers, are, are fans, and I think that's where that name came from. So um, that beer is brewed with pumpkins. Um, we're also doing 
uh, a roasted pumpkin beer. So hopefully a little bit of char flavor in that one, a little different. So maybe hopefully a little less sweet, a little more savory, a little smoky. So we're going to have two pumpkin beers coming out as well as two more Oktoberfest beers. I'm actually really excited for beer in the next month here at Reckless. Mm-hmm. How much lead time does it take to actually make beer? Um, well, they say like grain to glass is kind of the... So for a, <clears throat> a lager like the beer that Stomp's drinking now, that's closer to four weeks at the minimum as much as six weeks. But like an ale that you and I are drinking is like two weeks. Two weeks. Yeah. And then if you or one of the other brewers wants to pitch a, a completely new idea that you haven't done before, mm-hmm. how do you, what's the process for that? Um, well, we just kind of all sit down and have meetings, you know, or, or, or even during the work week, we're all always talking, we're all pitching ideas. And Ian, who's one of the owners and is our, our head brewer, he says yes to almost everything. So if we have a good idea and if it's well-researched, um, Ian's, Ian's really easy about saying yes and giving us a lot of leeway. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's what one of, the, one of the things that makes Reckless great because we have several beers that you can come every time and we're going to have it and they're going to be great every time. But we're also going to have a pretty big list of stuff that is new, something a little more experimental. Um, that's yeah. what keeps us interested in making beer and it keeps guests interested in coming back and drinking beer more and more. Do you guys ever like blow up a, like a batch and you're just like, you know what, this isn't working, like they get to toss it? Or We haven't had to dump a batch yet. I okay. mean, certainly it happens where a batch will be, you know, we'll say, oh man, this wasn't quite as good as last time. And we'll all sit down, we'll look at, we'll look at our notes, we'll figure out, okay, what can we do to make this better? And, and it's, it's always constant improvement, always just trying to improve, always just taking notes, seeing what we can learn better each time, so... Yeah. If we make a mistake, it's just one that we can learn from. Awesome. And yeah. then you get. Do you have a new project? You, you get a podcast going on. What's 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 going on? I see in the notes here. Uh, are you, you going to compete with us? No, I don't think so. Not at all. You have to sign up for our like podcast network. I, d- I don't think there's. If you had a podcast network, it'd be really cool. By the way, yeah, um, work on but, that. Kristen, let's get a loan. Yeah, we'll start one. I, I don't think there's a whole lot of overlap in what we're doing. Um, but uh, I, I have a couple of friends. Uh, they're they're here with us tonight. Uh, my buddy David and my buddy Jeremy and. Uh, for the past uh, couple of years, handful of years, um, Dungeons and Dragons D and D is a hobby that I've always kind of wanted to get into, but I've always been a little too, a little too nervous to to jump in and pre- play pretend and make silly voices with other people. So you know, have a couple beers, and then my buddy David finally convinces us to sit down. We've been playing it for a little while now, and he's always kind of wanted to record our sessions because we have fun doing it. Yeah. So now uh, it's even more nerve wracking. We decided to do just that. <laughs> so we're recording our weekly game sessions, and we're going to start to. To publish them, really. So yeah. you must have felt some of the pressure that he and I felt once you once you lock into a podcast. It's like oh, I got to do this every week. Wait a minute. Well, I, I, ha- <laughs> I have to be perfectly honest. I'm I'm right now. I have the the smallest workload of the three of us. David's our dungeon master, so he does most of the planning throughout the week, and Jeremy's doing all our editing and and uh, sound manipulation. So he's busy with it throughout the week. Yeah. Um, I'll be picking up slack wherever I can so I know that my workload will come but right now I'm just kind of showing up every week and trying to have fun and play games so my my, my role is very easy right now but yeah I feel for those guys and and they're both nervous as well were you ever into uh Dungeons and Dragons or I was yeah well really? so not re- I mean a little bit like we had a period when I was so I grew up in the 80s early 80s so I had my buddy Lumpy remember Lumpy so I had my friend Lumpy and we would like 
you know Stranger Things, like the Hellfire Club? Like, literally, that was like, it was in my buddy Lumpy's basement, and we would, like, play, adva- I think it was Advanced d But I only did it for, like, a year or so, and it was like... I don't know. I mean, I'm 50, so it was like a very interesting time to grow up because I think in the... And it's interesting to see how Dungeons and & Dragons has... And, and a lot of the stuff that we talk about in pop culture, the fantasy writing and all that stuff has become much more mainstream. Mm-hmm. But I remember like um, we would do D&D and it was a bunch of like loser guys. We had no game with girls. We would just go over to Lumpy's house after school and play advanced D&D, I think it was. It um, it was an interesting time because in the eighties, like there was a societal change where a lot of parents were getting divorced, so there was a lot of guys that were like home by themselves, and then you know either your your parents were getting divorced and you were kind of home by yourself, or your mother was going to work. So there was a lot of like societal change, and I think my generation we needed an escape. Like we didn't have the internet, so you do like Dungeons and Dragons. I used to read fantasy books a lot. And I think, like, I like a grand unifying theory on this stuff, I guess. But I think a lot of the people that were in my generation got into fantasy and, and you know, all of this stuff around, like, I read Terry Brooks, Tolkien, all this stuff. And I think we got into it, and it somehow became mainstream when the internet happened. And everyone was like, I'm into this, too. And now I think our kids... We've introduced it to our kids, so it's much more normalized. Mm-hmm. And it kind of sucks like it used to be a niche thing, but now the normies all know about all this stuff. But <laughs> I, I, I definitely, you know, it's it's an interesting <clears throat> area. And I think that it's, it's so it's, people are so online all the time mm-hmm. that it's good to have a creative outlet like this. So yeah. I'll yeah. listen to it. It'd be interesting. It's, it's, it's a huge community now. Yeah, like you said, it used to be really, really niche. But yeah, there's, there's no corner of the the internet or the world, whatever, there's always somebody in some group who's playing D and D. Um, I was, I was talking to stop the other day and, and I, I commented on, on how, how much enjoyment I got out of when you guys talk about, you know, Lord of the Rings or, or something like that. And mm. I, I kind of, I kind of gave you a label, Mike. I said you were like a, like a sleeper nerd. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> because like, I mean, you know, <laughs> you know, you're obviously a, you know, a successful guy. You got a family, you got hobbies. And so maybe not like somebody you'd expect to be like, oh yeah, actually, <laughs> as, as far as J.R.L. Tolkien's, you know, theory on this goes. Oh, my yeah, wife yeah. is just laughing right now. It was, it was great to see great. you pull that knowledge out. I had a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think, like, I definitely remember those days back in Lumpy's house, and, like, we just, like, <laughs> were trying to find ourselves, and we just were, you know, we'd smoke cigarettes. It was literally, like, when Stranger Things comes out, like, that view of the basement where they're all sitting around the basement, and they're such nerds and losers, like, that was, like, Lumpy's basement. And it's amazing that they... You know, now it's mainstream. Mm-hmm. Well, guys like you paved the way for guys like me, so thank <laughs> yes. you for bringing him to the mainstream. <laughs> yes. Well, I have a promo for it. You want me to blast this promo for you guys or what? <laughs> okay. All right, yeah. here we go. Ready? Welcome to Fantasy Pants, an actual play RPG podcast. The network won't like me saying this, but damn it. The Tithos tragedy was the result of nothing natural. It was an act of deliberate terrorism. We don't know anything, except that we are hurt, and we are scared. But as always, I choose to believe in the power of our luminaries. I will put my faith in the best of our worlds, and we must face the storm again. What are you doing here? I just want to be like you. Cherry delights form ranks. Zebulon. Zebulon Black. 
The name's Jules LaRoche. Pleased to meet ya. Jules, can this thing be stabbed? We're about to find out. Ah, hell. I can search. I can rescue. Come at me. Come at me. I always got you guys. Stop. Hey. Stop. Roll for initiative. 5% chance. Permanent death. We will lose a character before we even start the campaign. Ooh. First roll. Nice. Of the first session. That 20. And I don't know if anyone's going to hear you unzipping your pants. So please don't. <laughs> I have like Fisher-Price die. <laughs> die. Dice. And we'll call it there. That was a little extra, but... <laughs> it was really cool. <laughs> Nice. Looks, it sounds cool. That was terrifying. Wish you. <laughs> yeah, how's it? How's it sound like? How did you feel when you hear yourself like through speakers like that? Well, well, like I said, that I was even <laughs> nervous to sit down and play a couple years ago just with my friends, you know. So now to to do this is uh, a whole nother level of scary. Yeah. So, so whose voices are those? Um, so that's. So back there in the. I guess it used to be Green Reckless shirt. It's my buddy David. He's our DM. Right on. And then hey, the Dave. Very, very, very tall dude next to him with the glasses is Jeremy. Awesome. Gotcha. So that's our crew. Awesome. Yep. Well, I wish you guys the best. If you want to come on and plug it, let us know. Sweet. Thank you for the update. I think uh, we are moving on. We just got a, uh, a special guest here tonight, actually. Dolls and Pops just showed up in the red spinner shirts up front here. I can't believe they came all the way up from Mass, uh, which is. So far away. Uh, it's so good to see you guys. So glad you made it, for sure. I'm coming down to get pizza. I'll be there. I swear. <laughs> what? <laughs> she, what I, I did too. So for the audience listening, um, Spinner's Pizza is here, so we'll be getting some food down there soon. Um, but Stomp, recent, uh, recent hikes. Recent hikes. Well... Uh, this morning I did Welch and Dickey really quick because I had to get all this out of my head. Uh, it's sort of stressful pulling something like this off. And, uh, you know, all the unknowns, like, where are we going to set up? Is it going to work? And last night, to believe it or not, this uh, mixer was starting to glitch on me. Like, are you kidding me? So I was up until about 11 trying to figure out what was going on. and uh, But it's working fine, thank God. So um, Mrs. Stomp and I did um, the Harvest Moon hike. We live sort of close nearby Welch Dickey, so it's really easy for us to get out there. And uh, at first we thought it was going to be another one of those, uh, babe, where's the moon? You know, because it was supposed to come up at, you know, I, I forget the exact time, eight-ish or so. We were there waiting, nothing. No clouds anywhere, though. And we waited for at least 40 minutes thinking, where the hell did the moon go? And finally, it just all of a sudden just popped up right over Sandwich Dome. Orange. An orange harvest moon. It was absolutely beautiful. So that was a really nice time. Um, it's always great getting out for uh, meteors and, and moon events and things like that if you can. So yeah, we yeah. should... Did we ever cover that topic? Like where to go for, say, meteors and... Anywhere dark. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was surprised that it was dark enough, but yeah. Yeah. So, how about yeah. you? Yeah, I've seen some good moon um, risings in Newburyport when we were walking. But I did a hike last weekend. I did yeah. um, my friend Rob. I've got like my – I talk about them on the show every once in a while. Like I have my soccer dad buddies from my Amesbury where I live. So, Rob is one of my friends. So, I took him hiking. He wanted to hike Chikora, 
So I was like, well, we'll go up Carter Ledge because that's one of my favorite trails in the white. So we hiked up. We left from Piper Trail mm-hmm. and we went up to um, Carter Ledge. Yeah. And then, you know, you have, I don't know if you've hiked it or not, but I there's have. like these open ledges like below. There's like a sub peak where you can see out to like Mount Washington and, and it's awesome views oh, yeah. out to Western Maine. And then we made it up to... Um, middle sister i think that has that foundation there and we left early i think we got on trail at like 7 15 which is a good time to go piper trailhead on a saturday or sunday was like only like five or six cars um and when we got back it was full but we made it over to middle sister and then hiked to jacora and we were like the first ones on the peak so if you get to jacora early it's interesting on a weekend like we were hanging out on the peak for maybe 15 minutes or so and i was looking at the there's carvings there so it's like 1906 1950 or whatever so it's cool and my friend rob was just chilling out and then we like looked over towards like where piper trail connects to above tree line and it was literally like on a i think it was a saturday it was like the walking dead coming towards us if you've been on there it was like 50 people on their way so i was like we gotta get out of here so we left and um, just went down Piper Trail. So it was a nice hike. So it was a good intro for him. Yeah. He had gone, I take, I've taken him to Monadnock and I've taken him to Table Mountain. So this was the most, the hardest hike for him. But mm-hmm. he's, he's hooked. So I got another one converted. Nice. Which is good. And that's a great hike. If you haven't done Carter Ledge, highly recommend it. Huh. That's super so, cool. Yeah. Let's um, see. I have uh, some notable hikes uh, here. So notable listener hike of the week. Uh, so all you have to do is tag Slasher on your adventure to be considered for Slasher's Hike of the Week. No guarantees you'll be plugged <laughs> yeah. on the show, but uh, we, sometimes we get overwhelmed with this stuff. But uh, we have Steve Summits. Oh, by the way, if you're here, <laughs> give us a shout. So Steve Summits did a Northern Prezi. Uh, Meg Life Wonderful hit Georgiana Falls and... Um, we had a conversation behind the scenes about Georgiana versus uh, Harvard Falls. Which one is the, the highest one? Which, does anybody know? I, I forget. Is Harvard the top one with the, the bench? I don't, and, I don't know. Oh, well. We'll figure it out. Jakester 2 uh, did North and South Doublehead. Don't forget about the cabin on Doublehead. I put that note in there. So if anybody has ever um, been on Doublehead, there is a cabin up there on South Doublehead, I think. North North Doublehead, sorry. And you can actually um, book that online. So just Google, like, Forest Service, South Doublehead, North Doublehead, you said? I I believe. North, yeah. yeah. And you can can book that. So it's a great area. Okay. Uh, Salmon 7 did Caps Ridge. So super cool. So those are your notable hikes. I don't think we'll take a vote on which one's the coolest tonight, but... uh, Okay, topic one. Let's go. Topic one. Yep. Slasher's Hiking Topic of the Week. So, Stomp, Apple adds emergency satellite capabilities to their iPhone 14 model. So, coming out in November, I think you get the iPhone 14, and uh, they've got a new operating system. Okay. And the reason why this is notable for all of us here is that um, it is now going to have satellite capability, which will be very interesting when it comes to hiking because um, the feature is going to be called Emergency SOS, and they're partnering with the Global Star Satellite Network. Okay. Um, And... uh, my understanding of this technology is that you're going to be able to basically send text messages um, through your Apple iPhone, even if you don't have cell connectivity, and it's going to connect to the Global Star satellite um, 
on your iPhone, provided you have an iPhone 14, I think there's new antenna technology in there, and then you have to make sure that you're upgraded to the iOS 16 version. This um, is all babble for me. Th- well, this is what, Android so guy. remember I talked about how I have I got Starlink for my father-in-law up in Maine, so, yeah. we're, so there's a ton of dead spots in the White Mountains right now, uh-huh. and satellite technology is growing so rapidly yeah. that we're quickly moving to a world where connectivity in the mountains is going to be a non-issue. So everyone's going to be connected, whether it's through cell connection or it's going to be through the satellite technology. So you got Global Star, you've got um, um, Starlink, which is the Elon Musk company. They're partnering with T-Mobile to basically set up phones that are going to be connected to satellite. So you're going to basically have a situation where you've got Wi-Fi connectivity, cell tower connectivity, and satellite connectivity. Wow. So... For me, I see this specifically for search and rescue. I think what's going to be interesting is that probably within the next two years or so, we're going to be living in a world where the idea that like, oh, I couldn't call for a rescue because I had no connectivity is not going to be a thing, which opens up a whole sort of different level of protocol, I would think, for fishing game services as well as search and rescue volunteers. Possibly. Yeah, which I think is is pretty interesting. So I wanted to just sort of call this out. And recently there's been two media notifications. One is the Apple announcement, and then the other is T-Mobile has partnered with Elon Musk. So I'll include those in the show notes. Okay. Um, But my thought on this was I'd be interested to hear you and Steve's perspective on this because I think we're going to be moving into a world where pretty quickly the excuse of like – I, can't, I couldn't call anybody is going to go away. There is some limitations. I said if you're in thick like um, canopy, like it may not go through as quickly, but mm-hmm. they said it will go through eventually. So my question to both of you or the thing that I'm curious about is when search and rescue situations happen and everybody has connectivity, A, are we going to be dealing with a world where people are going to pull the trigger too quickly and call for rescue and then B, are we ever going to live in a world or are we going to see some scenarios where people may delay their decision to call for a rescue, situations happen where things go very badly and they could have called sooner and they chose not to? You know, what, what do you see as the, uh, as the issues there, Steve? Um, I, I would be surprised if anybody was if, – if you're really in trouble, mm-hmm. I think you know it and I think you're going to make a call. Um, I don't, I don't know the numbers. You guys would probably know them better than I do, but we keep hearing from Fish and Game that every year they're having more and more what they're calling walkout calls where somebody will call and they'll say, oh, I'm, I'm lost or whatever. Yeah. And because the technology on the phones is, is getting so much better, Fish and Game can explain, okay, here's what you have to do. Go into your settings and they'll teach you how to pull up your coordinates. Yeah. They'll pull you up on a map and he'll say, yeah, you know, turn left and walk 200 <laughs> feet and the trail's there. Yeah. And they can get people out of the woods without ever having to, to activate, you know, either a, a conservation officer or a search and rescue team. So, I mean, I personally go into the woods to disconnect. You know, I'll put my phone in airplane mode. But it's, it's hard to really argue against more connectivity in the wilderness. I think it can really only be a positive. Yeah. I think the, um, the service round here is phenomenal from for the most part i mean i think there are very few dead spots in the whites now so i don't know how much more this would bump up calls you know i could i could foresee somebody in a dead spot trying to make a call for help but 
they have to just self-ambulate or get themselves down. Maybe there are some that are getting missed, but for the most part, I think it's covered. So I think your next topic about this is risk. Like, will it increase risk and whatnot? So uh, who knows? Yeah, yeah, it's going to be an interesting couple of years. The other For thing sure. I, th I think about is like the impact on Garmin. Like there, a lot of their products and services. I do think that they sort of win out on you know their, durability. Their, yeah, durability as well as the interfaces that people are comfortable with. Yeah. But I do wonder at a certain point, like what's the necessary? You know, is an inReach too necessary if you've got it on your iPhone? Right. Why That's pay? the other thing too. People Why pay four hundred dollars for a Garmin when you can download Gaia for twenty something bucks? Yeah, you know the cold weather is another big problem with phones. Yeah. Um, I guess it could give people a sense of security that is not there with the cell phones. Yeah, give that, somebody just that extra excuse to push their boundaries a little bit further. Yeah, I'm going out uh, minus twenty with my cell phone because I'm connected. Nah, because I don't know what I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, that is the one thing that Garmin has above the cell phone is that they've got much more durability in those cold weather conditions. But I do think if I were Garmin and I'm reading these the news and the way that technology is developing around this satellite technology, I would be nervous right now. Yeah, getting scared, yeah. All right. So uh, anything else on this topic, Stomp? I don't think so. Yeah. All right. So I think next up we had is Ian and Marlena here from Reckless. Oh, yeah. I, I see here Ian in way in the back. All right, Ian's going to come on up here, I think. Can we get him up here? I'll go get him you if he's not. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, so we're going to just take a minute here. If anybody is looking for stickers, by the way, um, my daughter right over here, raise <laughs> them up. If you don't feel like coming right up here, you can go grab stickers from her. Yeah, they're all over the place at this point. So our next guest is here. Are we waiting for another? Yes, I think so. Um, <laughs> if Philip is out here, maybe you can go take over from Marlena in the food truck for a few minutes. My lovely lady love. Yeah, so uh, Marlena's been cooking your food tonight. Oh, she oh really? <laughs> She's the best. So this is quite the the place, huh? The Pint House. Thank you. Yeah. When, when did this pop up? We opened this in July after uh, about four months of blood, sweat, and tears. Literally. I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, so uh, it was a yoga studio. Yeah. And uh, we have rectified it. Okay. It's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. 
No more. Yeah, she's going to be busy out there, I think. Yeah, that's uh, Ladies and gentlemen, Steven Rodriguez, the most humble person you'll ever meet. Exactly. I'm not as pretty as Marlena, but I'll, I'll take her place for a little while. <laughs> All right. All right. It depends who you ask, don't you think? <laughs> so, Ian, I was curious. Can you just give a quick like um, rundown on the origin story for Reckless? It's a fun one. Yeah. And uh, it goes back about six years. Actually, it goes back about 30 years, but we'll start six years ago. <laughs> Uh, I was brewing beer out of a shed in my backyard that I built, a tiny little shed. I met my lovely lady love, Marlena, on the food truck, and she's like, why aren't you selling this stuff? And uh, short story long, we started selling it. And we started doing it out of our shed uh, in our backyard. And uh, we did it for a year there. That's where we met Stephen. And uh, it was absolutely brilliant. And people seemed to like it, which blew my mind. So um, the neighbors started getting a little upset with us, uh, except for Andy and Sandy. They were right there with us, but they didn't. As long as they had beer, they were okay. But we had a bunch of other neighbors who weren't so happy with us. So we had to move the business onto Main Street. Uh, thankfully, we found this building. Well, we found the building out front that was much, much different than it is now. It was just mm -hmm. a tiny little 1,500-square-foot building. Um, that's when Stephen came on, long before he brewed beer, and between he and I and Marlena and a bunch of help from friends, uh, we, we uh, remodeled it entirely. We took it from what it was, which was an old fish market, an old restaurant, uh, a farm stand at one point, and we turned it into what it is now. And uh, the building, Marlena designs everything, and she does such a great job. She's, as you can see, she's designed this building as well. Wow. And they just seem to wrap their arms around you when you come in, hug you and squeeze you and say, drink beer. Yeah, no question. She's not coming. Yeah, that's okay. It's all good. You're doing a good job so Thank far. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you would like her much better than me, just so you know. And then the, so right now you're, you obviously have the on-site brewery, but you also distribute, but it's, it's in New Hampshire only right now? New Hampshire only. Uh, we have a ridiculously small brewery for what we're doing. We okay. have a five barrel brewery, which is uh, 150 gallons at a time. And we brew an average of four times a week, I would say. Uh, so we're using all of that beer here and we are also distributing a fair amount of it to about 30 different accounts throughout New Hampshire. Okay, so even if you wanted to expand significantly, like get outside the state or something like that, like capacity yeah. is a challenge. We can't point. do that here. Uh, we are looking at possibly having a production brewery offsite some point soon. Okay. What um, I'm wow. curious about this. The So the beer industry, I was thinking about this, is like one of the few industries that we've seen over the last like 20 years or so that hasn't consolidated. It's actually... The, the industry seems to have grown, but through fragmentation, which is different than almost every other industry. And wh why do you think that is? There's so much good beer out there. <laughs> it's what it comes down to is, and there's so many good brewers now. Uh, there's everywhere you go, there's great beer and there's such a wide variety of beer that it just hasn't happened yet. I think it will happen at some point soon. We'll, we'll see consolidation. But at this point, what people really like is, uh, a brewery in their own town, and uh, that's what we are. We're Bethlehem's Brewery, and we're uh, you know we're we're also uh, you know here for the outdoor recreational community, and uh, we've loved it so far. It's been fantastic. Yeah, can you talk about that a little bit? Are you are you a hiker? Like, what is your background? Uh, everything, outdoor, everything, mostly mountain biking, backcountry skiing, okay, a lot of hiking, and uh, 
you know, we, Marlena and I both, uh, physical activity combines perfectly with a pint of beer. <laughs> and that's why we're here. It just seems to go so well. And here we are in beautiful Bethlehem, New Hampshire. You know, we're 1,600 feet up right here. We're 10 miles from the most beautiful mountains this side of the country. Oh, sure. And uh, we, we love the vertical, the yeah. gravity. Keep it coming. It's awesome. Can you tell us a little bit about, we were going to do a history segment on Bethlehem, but tell us just a little bit, a bit about the town and what you guys are involved with community-wise. I know you've got the Gare Library happening and yeah. Agassiz. I mean, just give us a little yeah. primer. Well, I, I moved to Bethlehem in 2004. At mm -hmm. the time, it was just a sleepy little town. And uh, since, since uh, I would say about six years ago, it started to wake up again. Yeah. And uh, there's so much potential here. So we've been working closely with BTA, uh, Bethlehem Trails Association, to build a mountain bike trail network here in town. Yeah. We've got about 12 miles of really awesome trails now. And it's so great to see cars with mountain bikes out in the parking lot. Oh, Makes sure. us very happy. Uh, when, it, <laughs> when it comes to other things like uh, hiking or skiing, any chance we get, we help support those um, those activities. Mm -hmm. And uh, again, people are just starting to discover what northern New Hampshire has to offer. I know they've been doing up here for years and years, but it's right. just starting to wake up, I think. Yeah. And for the listeners, northern New Hampshire would be what? I would say North above of the, the notch. notch. Yeah. Above the notch. So <laughs> yeah. for people listening, you have Franconia Notch. Below that, you have Lincoln, which is a, a huge hotspot. You know, they've got their activities. They've got the, uh, the, the are you going to wear your kilt in a couple of weeks? Oh, and throwing go, the yeah, telephone yeah, pole? Yeah, 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 you have to. That. You have to. If you've got it, you have to. Yeah. I don't think no I No underwear allowed. But uh, yeah, you're right. North of the Notch is, is waking up. And uh, one question. Everybody asks us this. Tell us about the five corners. The five corners? <laughs> hiking five corners? The, uh, the spot down at the end of Trudeau Road. Oh, yeah. Where you can park for the BTA trails and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. yeah. It is uh -huh. right down the road, like five, five yeah, minutes. Yeah, exactly. So. I, think it, I think it might be more of a local term. Yeah. You know, it started with the four corners yeah. in Twin Mountain. Now everybody knows the four corners. And then I started hearing the five corners more and more often. Yeah. And uh, so, so when you were asking about, hey, you know, what do you guys want me to say when, you know, we plug Reckless? I was like, you know, between... Garfield and Galehead being right there oh, and sure. also tying in the BTA mountain bike trails. There's a spot there where you can park. And I just thought that let's bring some attention to the white corners. Let's make, or the, sorry, the five corners. Let's make that the next four corners. Yeah. That's yeah. a really good point because if you park there, you can do almost anything from that point, any activity you like. Oh, sure. And yeah. it's a perfect spot. Right. Yeah. yeah and then winter time, there's a bunch of skiing out there. Um, the snowmobile trail runs right through there. So it's really kind of a, it's a good, um, metaphor for what we do at Reckless is a little bit everything. And it's I'm right giving it road. away, but there's some really nice swimming holes right down there under the Route 3 bridge. So. <laughs> a little tip, yeah. a little Reckless tip. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I also read that um, Bethlehem has a really interesting feature. It's, it's so high elevation-wise that there's less allergen. So that's what historically brought people here to this town. Yeah in the whites yeah. it's very interesting it's, people uh, with allergies would come here just to get relief during the highest season yeah Super it's cool. uh it, that's our hasidic jewish community that come yeah. had a tradition traditionally started coming up here uh, 100 plus years ago because they thought that was true it oh, has it, been debunked it, oh really it has been uh -oh, debunked. fact checking going yeah. on live but it still happens though <laughs> they still come up regardless they like it here 
Oh, that's funny. Well, yeah, I guess you can't trust Wikipedia then, huh? <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, the, the pollen doesn't magically disappear in Bethlehem. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I wish always, it did. I've always heard that it was an allergen thing people would come up for, you know, oh yeah, yeah. get away from, it's like a prescription to get to, you know, the higher elevations. But I, I never heard the, the, the pollen being less at higher elevation theory. I, it's out there. It's embedded in That's the web. Oh, sure. I've heard it, but uh, lately I think people are coming here because they've heard this really good beer. Oh, hell yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no quite. Oh, Mrs. Stomp is giving a hell yeah. yeah. No, I Ian, gotta, oh, I'm, a, um, I'm an HR guy, so I'm always curious. Like, uh -oh. So obviously like um, COVID was a challenge for you, and now oh, you're, you're back to normal by, based on this crowd here. Yeah. Um, hiring and sort of like um, if you wanted to get into the brewing industry, like do you typically hire people that have like – Past experience in brewing, or do Zero. You, you? So you're you're sort of like train your own talent. Perspective. Oh yeah. So uh, not just brewing, and I'll get into that in a second. But um, thank you for touching on that because we've got I don't know if you've noticed the best team in the universe working at Reckless oh, Brewing yeah. right now. And I want to thank oh, yeah. everybody who does it because without them we wouldn't be able to do it. Yeah. When it comes to brewing, Stephen uh, was. Uh, what, what do you say? A blank slate. And Kyle. I knew Kyle's over there well. somewhere. <laughs> you were a professional beer drinker? Yeah, I could drink it, but making it was a different story. Yeah. So Kyle and Steven uh, now uh, <laughs> brew beer more than I do here. And honestly, in the last couple of years, they're the ones that come up with a lot of these great recipes that we have. Yeah. And I cannot believe how great a job they've done at making the beer what it is today. It's incredible. Oh, top notch. Well, yeah. we wouldn't be anywhere without a good teacher. <laughs> and and go. Ian's a really great guy to work for. Yeah. Um, and we have fun. Yeah, and we have a lot of fun, yeah. Um, <laughs> like, make, making mistakes at work uh, is one of those things where, you know, like, I don't know, I'd do something dumb, like spill a bunch of beer or whatever, and Ian would just walk up behind me, give me a big, you know, hand slap right on the shoulder and said, <laughs> I've done that before. So I'm gonna write you up. <laughs> no way. Well, no, here's the thing: we know we all make mistakes, yeah. and there's some fun mistakes that we make. And uh, I'll just use one example. Uh, recently, um, obviously, uh, there's a war going on between Ukraine and Soviet Union, uh, Russia, right now. And um, we made a beer that was going around the brewing community called Resist, and uh, it was meant to raise awareness and some money for uh, the Ukrainian people. And uh, the beer was meant to be a uh, beet stout. And, uh, you know, that's a thing over there. They, have, they grow a lot of beets, and the idea was to make it a cool combination of the two. And uh, so, Stephen, we brewed the beer, and a few days later is when you add the beets to the fermenter. And Stephen added the beets to the wrong beer. Oh. And this is how many pounds of beets? 70 pounds 70 of pounds beets. of beets. So we ended up with an absolutely beautiful beet IPA. If you've ever opened a single can of beets, you know just how much mess. Oh, I will I will die with this shame. Now, with that said, this beer went over really well. Really? It, people loved the beer. And then we took the stout that it was meant to be for. And we made this really nice uh, barrel-aged salted caramel stout. Yeah, about half of it went into barrels, and, and just we just released it yeah. a week or two ago. Yeah, so it, it was for good. Yeah. Everything came out. It, it was a happy accident, but yeah. definitely an accident. <laughs> Holy moly. I'll, I'll take your word for it. I have a thing about purple and pink food. 
I it, will. It was a I striking color. This shame. <laughs> yeah. But we have so much fun here. You know, I, I like to tell people we're not making widgets here. We're making no, yeah, beer. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and and what more fun can you have? And when you make beer, you have to taste it all day long. It's horrible. Yeah. Well, we yeah. appreciate you sponsoring us. What? How? Like when? You, who came to you and was like, "Hey, I know about this podcast. Like, you should sponsor it." And were you like, "I don't know about that"? No, it was Stephen originally, and uh, I remember going, "Yeah, whatever. That sounds good." I didn't know anything about you guys at the time. Uh, since then, I do, um, obviously. Yeah. But uh, who knew what it could become? And uh, we we rarely say no to things like that, especially yeah. if uh, one of our employees comes to us with it. And uh, this is what happens. And Stephen's been such a, you know, he he just combines everything that Reckless kind of stands for with the outdoor community, the brewing aspect, and he's on the search and rescue team. So it's really great. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, we appreciate you giving us a shot and uh, hosting us on this great event and welcoming everybody here. So. Well, thank you very much for coming. Yeah, we went great. from a dumb podcast to actually like somewhat legitimate because of you guys. <laughs> I love it. You guys got a great <laughs> turnout. This is a lot of fun. I thought it worked the other way. It's fantastic. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Awesome. All right. Wow. Well, hey, listen, we were going to have another guest uh, from Flags in the 48, but I think um, some unforeseen circumstances may have happened over the last week and they're super busy. But everybody knows this is uh, September 11th. Uh, we'll keep it brief. Um, this organization, you can find them on Facebook, Flags in the 48. They have uh, this event that happens generally on the 11th, um, but sometimes on the, the Saturday before and this and that. But uh, they send people up with flags to fly the flag on all 48 peaks. And um, if you go to the site now, it looks like most of the peaks have been hit. I'm seeing like Pierce and Lafayette and, you know, you, you name it. So if you want to check it out flags in the 48 and uh when we get news on if they've covered all 48 we will let you know there's actually a woman on blueberry today putting a flag up there oh really? on blueberry yeah okay yeah i guess it's not exclusive to the 48 but yeah. i mean there were there were folks andy i believe was up on the old man this afternoon flying a flag which is super cool so yeah Awesome. All right. So why don't we move on to local search and rescue news? And then at the same time, if anybody has any questions, if anybody's in the audience and they want to come up, um, I've got, so Martin had signed and donated uh, three books for his Secrets of Aging Well Get Outside. So if you want a book, the first three people that are brave enough to come up and ask us questions can um, can get the book. But um, we'll do the search and rescue now and then the Q&A at the next part. So Stephen, I think, I don't know how far out that um microphone goes but if you could sort of face it out this way or stomp will do it and nobby get your dog out of here what is he doing <laughs> yeah i'll start with the search and rescue and um ian and steven if you guys want to comment sure feel free here so first story is a local news story that um missing 11 year old boy in uh, antrim new hampshire i don't know where that is yeah, I'm not familiar. Yeah, I don't know. I, that, they're probably not even a real place. So September 2nd, uh, around 1.50, New Hampshire Fishing Game Dispatch received a call from the Autobahn Society. Um, they were reporting that they received a call from a party reporting that his 11-year-old son had been lost hiking Bald Mountain. Oh, there's like 500 million of them. Yeah, they're <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> 
Um, yeah. So there wasn't a lot of info, but um, apparently uh, Antrim Police Department, Hancock Police Department, Hillsborough Sheriff, um, they activated the New England Canine Division. And around 6.30 or so, um, the missing boy's mother had informed officers that not only was the boy missing, but um, the, the father had become lost while looking for his son. So that's, a, that's always a risk. You know, in the, the fog of these search and rescues, I would assume... You know, if I'm a parent, I'm going to just do whatever I need to to find my kid. I don't really care what fishing game or anybody else is doing. So, um, I guess Upper Valley Wilderness Response Team, who had arrived at the command center around seven o'clock, so this was like four or five hours. The mother must have been going crazy. Um, so they arrived at the command and they were briefed on the missing boy's appearance. Um, and then I guess they realized that somebody had seen the kid when they had um, driven by him. So the boy was walking down. Uh, Willard Pond Road with an adult male, which turned out to be um, the father, ended up finding him. So the two of them were able to walk out onto Route 123 in Hancock and make their way back to the parking lot. So kudos to the dad for finding the kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, way to absolutely. go, dad. He was probably so afraid of what his wife was going to do to him that he was like, <laughs> I just got to, I'm going to cover like every square mile of this place <laughs> really quick. <laughs> you said you said this call came in from the Autobahn. Yeah, I don't know how that worked. So I wonder if it was like a, a birding event, and could be interesting. Oh, okay. Antrim okay. is north of Peterborough. Thank you very much for that. Yeah, yeah. gotcha. So gotcha. the fear of a father from the wrath, of, like obviously you're freaking out over your kid, but I would be more afraid of my wife, like being like, I can't <laughs> believe you lost my kid. I've had moments like that where the kids just disappear. Like uh, we would go to Cranes Beach and this and that, and uh, you know, Good Harbor and Gloucester and this and that, and one of them would disappear. It's yeah. the most terrifying oh, yeah. moment ever. Have you ever experienced that? Yeah, we had so oh we had God. two incidents. I had one with my youngest daughter Megan, and she got lost at Santa's Village. So she was like in the little water park and like we were like, I was like partying in the water park and like I couldn't care less what she's up to. So she disappeared. We found her surrounded by like seven adults. Everyone's like, oh, are you okay? And she's like, ah, she's screaming. We found her. Uh, that was Kristen's fault, not mine. Um, and then we also lost my niece at Fry, the Freiburg Fair, That's, which was, and she was gone for tough. like 30 minutes or so. So we were freaking out on that one. Yeah. You were thinking, so. uh, what? The, the clown some Got nice it. grandmother Fried found her and was holding her hand and she she didn't she didn't seem to be oh phased by it but it's scary oh yeah Pennywise Pennywise the clown <laughs> oh my god my kid <laughs> all right so the next Freaky. one here is and again if you have questions start queuing up over here we'll we'll uh, get the microphone to you um, next one here, New Hampshire Fishing Game. We're notified of an injured hiker on the Webster Cliff Trail just north of Mount Jackson at 115 on Saturday, September 3rd. Uh, the hiker was a 42-year-old female from Delaware. A lot of uh, like out-of-state hikers. I'm not, I'm not judging, but I'm just saying. Um, the, she was hiking south on the trail when she slipped on a granite slab. Um, matter of fact, me and 19 over here were just on that trail there. So I'm, I'm guessing maybe it was like the slabby section right below Jackson as you approach um, but she was unable to bear weight on the injured leg and called 911. So Pemi Valley Search and Rescue, Androscoggin Search and Rescue, and Lakes Region, so, uh, as well as Appalachian Mountain Club, they all came out along with a conservation officer and had like a three-and-a-half-mile carryout. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there. pretty much. Uh, the first mile was basically uphill, too. So gravity is a beast when it comes to rescues, man. I'm telling you, there's nothing worse. Ugh. Yeah, the thing I don't know about this one is they, they chose to, to take – out to Mizpah Cutoff instead of going down Jackson. I guess mm-hmm. it's probably a pick em one way or the other. 
Depends I, where you mm-hmm. are, but you know those slabs up there when they get wet, wicked oh, bad. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, they, and like you forget about that, but there's like this hundred foot climb to get up the backside of Jackson that we just, we, as a matter of fact, we were just up there and it is slippery. Wow. Yeah. So anyway, but all's well that ends well there. So they took her to the orthopedic surgeon and um, she had been hiking with family members and was sufficiently su- supplied and prepared for a day hike. So good for her. As, as far as which way to go, you know, obviously when we're out there as volunteers, we, you know, we have a voice in it and if we ever feel something's not safe, then we can speak up. But um, ultimately, fishing game decides which way we go. So, mm-hmm. if the CEO says go that way, even if it's uphill, we're going that way. Yeah, I would think that it's probably like an easier carry. It's sort of a flatter approach to get over to Mizpah and then like a, a much more gradual hike down easier Crawford. Hike and it's like it's probably like an extra maybe mile or so, mm-hmm. but it's probably easier. So, hmm. um, next one here is hikers in need of assistance. There's this thing called. Um, sunset that happens sometimes really? it gets dark out <laughs> so oh um friday afternoon september 2nd <laughs> shortly before 8 p.m 23 year old hiker a two a 23 year old female and a 20 year old male uh from maine were overcome by darkness imagine how that happened it happened sometimes. didn't it yeah <laughs> it wasn't yeah. in the forecast I guess. yeah yeah it overcome by darkness so again two headlamps you're prepared one headlamp <laughs> is none so yeah. make sure you got the batteries there but um they were on the mineral site loop in albany which i think is like kind of near the moat mountain trailhead i don't know exactly where but it's over on the, the north conway side so they're about a mile from the trailhead a little more than 100 yards of trail and stop this is where the guy so it's two young people the guy should have just said look let's just hang out and we'll look for meteors because this is where stomp says you can find meteors <laughs> yeah there you go <laughs> so anyway so they were walked out and um there's a reminder that says get your hike, hike safe card so um yeah I, I heard the other day you can actually also catch meteors pretty well from uh the roof of the zealand hut oh, <laughs> oh yeah wow yeah actual or imaginary meteors <laughs> oh my goodness yeah people are aware of that one the uh the recent uh problem somebody was on drugs doing something the bad acid trip on yeah, zealand so, so. the yeah, one week for- you skipped a show yes <laughs> Yes, exactly. The, the other funny thing about that, and I don't know if it's true or not, but I heard this was a third date that he was on with this woman, and he was trying really? to impress her. Really? I don't know if that worked out. Well, I wonder if he got asked if he got got a fourth date. Yeah, we'll see. It's an, it's impressive in some sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, the next one here is an unfortunate situation that um, that happened on uh, I think last Sunday around 3 p.m. Fishing game officers were notified of a hiker suffering from an unknown medical condition, um, Bunnell Notch Trail in Kilkenny. So this is the approach trail I think to get up to Cabot. Um, 39-year-old female, unfortunately, had a medical condition that um, ended in, in, in her, um, her death, unfortunately. So there was a number of people that came upon her to try to do CPR. And unfortunately, by the time um, you know, teams were able to get to her, they were unsuccessful in reviving her. So this is somebody, I think that the name has come out, but um, this is somebody that I was familiar with very involved in the hiking community, more so in the Adirondacks than in New Hampshire, but she was hiking in the New Hampshire area. Um, So this is somebody that gave back a lot to the community and it's really a sad situation. Um, So we, um, you know, it's 
it's been like, I feel like a lot of people have been talking about like a fair number of these medical situations that happened this year. All I can say is that I think there's typically on average, you've got six to eight of these situations where people do pass away on trail. Um, you know, I don't know if this year is any different than other years. So we have one more. One more. Um, we have um, reckless hikers. So these are reckless hikers, not in the um, from the brewery perspective, but these are reckless hikers from the actual meaning of the word, which is um, these two gentlemen were hiking on and around e the Eaglet and the Watcher area in that area. My understanding is I think that what these two guys did is they were not hikers. They parked in Cannon, went up Greenleaf, somehow bushwhacked up near the watcher in that area there, um, not prepared for hiking. They ended up uh, somehow, I think they somehow ended up below the eaglet but to the, the north of the eaglet, and they were stuck on a cliff. And this happened in July, and it was serious enough where Fish and Game charged these two. They didn't get fined that bad. I think it was like a couple hundred dollars, but they were mad enough about the behavior of these two hikers that they charged them, which is a pretty rare occurrence. That, that's a pretty nasty section of trail, too. It's, it's not a known trail very well. I think uh, rock climbers use it, but there's a lot of scree up there. And it gets Super really thin. bad, like very difficult walking. So if they weren't prepared, I can see where it could have led to problems pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah, I just don't know how they went. Like, I know that there's the, the climber trail to get up to the watcher, which is pretty obvious once you get on it. But I don't know how you would go in before that and at least not sort of point your... Even if you went in before the, the climber trail, I would think you would point your way to the eaglet yeah. in order to sort of get back on that scree field that's climbable. Yeah, but I don't know anything about that left area there. No. Well, I, I think I think they were out there bushwhacking. I got back up a little bit, but on Saturday we had a, a basically a statewide... Uh, volunteer search and rescue training, and, and one of the talks that I listened to was another another volunteer team, New England Canine. They have a drone division, and they were activated to help try to find these kids who were up um, walking around on these cliffs and were lost. And she showed drone footage of this kid who was out on these cliffs. No idea how he got there. It was it was really scary stuff, and it's very interesting. A whole different topic, but what they're doing with drones for search and yeah, rescue is really amazing. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's scary. So anyway, they got charged, which is a rarity. But um, all right, guys. So anyway, that's search and rescue news. Search and rescue news is over. Fun. So we we're gonna backtrack. We have uh, two members of the flags on the forty eight committee. So if we can hand over the mics, that'd right. be fantastic. Thank you, thank guys. Ian, thank Ian, you Steve, so much. Thank Steve. you so much. Yeah. Awesome. All right, you guys tired? All right, we're just setting up the flags on the 48, guys. All right, all right. So who who are you? <laughs> uh, I'm Jim Roy. I'm Chris Oberg. Oh, okay. All right, so we got Jim and Chris here. So you guys are in charge of the flags on the 48. Um, you could say that. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you could say that. <laughs> we, say that. Um, yeah. We, this is kind of like a, a pretty wide open community. Um, we kind of count on everybody to sort of self-manage. Um, but we do sort of the cheerleading and the, you know, this this all became about because of the, um, the internet, right? So there were a lot of people jumping on forums and things like that. And uh, the event, I think, really grew out of that. 
So mostly you have to make sure that like all the mountains are covered, that the people who signed up, do you like follow up with the people that sign up and they're the captains just to make sure that, hey, you, you're going to Owl's Head, right? Yes. You know yep. what you're yes. into. Yes. Yes, we do. Uh, <laughs> uh, for certain summits, we ask them to not actually fly at the, at the summit, like for Mount Washington. Yeah. Don't fly at the tourist sign. You know, fly it somewhere else. Move, move them a little ways off the summit. Okay. And uh, for other summits like East Osceola today, we were looking at the summit from Liberty and we couldn't see it, but we they were flying their their main flag from the Outlook, so okay. it was a lot. And can wow. you talk about the sort of the origin of flags on the forty eight? Obviously, like this is a, so for people that aren't familiar, this is a memorial for September eleventh, uh, two thousand and one. This is the twentieth anniversary of the event in the White Mountains, so you're obviously like a year behind the actual event. But mm-hmm. can you talk about the the origin of flags on the forty eight? Sure. Um, actually, right after 9-11, the Saturday after 9-11, six hikers took a, an American flag up to Mount Liberty. And uh, they did that because they wanted to show, you know, some solidarity, some some patriotism. Um, and they flew the flag. And I, I, I don't know if you know how long they did, but... It, um, I think they flew it for like 10 to 2, something yeah. like that. Because so, they were very strong hikers. Yeah. Very, very strong hikers. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, as I'd mentioned earlier, everybody kind of got on board with it because word went out over the internet that um, these guys went up there and flew a flag, and the hiking community kind of grabbed right onto it and said, you know what, that's a really amazing thing. And somebody, nobody knows who, um, said we should do this every year. And every year since then, the event has grown. And we were we were talking earlier tonight that we we guess because we can't know for sure but we guess we had well over 600 people participating this year <laughs> that's awesome yeah dispersed in a incredible group and now i've been I've, mm-hmm. I've hiked on flags on the 48 and i've like i've gone up there but i haven't been part of an actual team mm-hmm. if you're part of a team do you all meet in one single location and then go from there or does everybody just leave to hike their own mountain i think everybody does it a little bit differently there are some groups that sign up that say okay our slower group is going to leave at like seven o'clock and then our our quicker group is going to leave at eight o'clock and then with the basis of mind of trying to get to the summit all at the same time because if you everybody leaves at seven o'clock with all the different speeds some people are going to just go all the way to the summit and it's discouraging so you would rather have everybody be able to summit at the same time so Mm -hmm. we stagger the the start times Okay. Um, some some groups they just want to all hike together and that's okay. You know they they're they're able to do whatever they want really. And we do have one. We we kind of try and get one what we call a peak coordinator. So that's the person who at the end of the day is responsible for making sure there's a flag on every on their summit from noon to two. And <laughs> we also ask them to communicate with the other people who signed up for that peak so that everybody kind of knows. Oh well, we're meeting in this parking lot. We're taking this trail, you know, and then then we work on, you know, they work on um, the timing amongst themselves about, okay, well, we're slower, so we're going to start earlier. We're quicker, so we're going to start later. Um, And the idea is just, uh, like I said earlier, everybody kind of self-manages, and the idea is just to make sure that there's a flag at the summit and that it's there from noon to two. Um, And it's important also to note, I think, that we also encourage not just American flags, but any flag. The only one that we ask that we definitely have is the American flag. But we've had Mm -hmm. people flying all kinds of different things, prayer flags and 
you know, I we scout flags. Yep, scouts flags, and I had a guy who came up from Brazil, and he flew a Brazilian flag because there were people from Brazil in the in the Twin Towers, and you know, we've met um, people who have had family members who yeah. have, who passed in the Twin Towers, yeah. and it's been an uh, it's kind of an amazing thing. It's really you know we we talk about the logistics, um, but really it's all about the the people who are participating. Um, because you should see the look in people's eyes when the flags go up. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're yeah. they're just too, totally taken aback, you know, and, and pretty excited. Yeah, Mrs. Stomp and I, we, we came up Osceola during, during the early days of our 48 adventure, and they were setting it up. We had no idea. We knew it was the 11th, of course, but uh, it, was, it was so impressive. And at the time, I think somebody was playing um, bagpipe music, mm. and mm-hmm. uh, it was just amazing. Beautiful time. Yeah, we actually. I'm I'm guessing at this point, well over half the people that participate were people who just happened to be summiting one of the peaks on one of those days <laughs> and yeah. said, "My God, that's an amazing thing you guys are doing. I'm I'm jumping in. I want to do this next year." Yeah, yeah. and they do. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. I think the the um, first time I saw it, I was doing like a loop up King Ravine and then coming down the Castle Trail, and I I was going to tag Jefferson, and that's mm-hmm. when I I was coming along the Gulfside Trail. And I saw that flag up there, and I was like, "Wow, this is really cool." And I remember the the crowds up on Jefferson. It was a, it was a great day, um, but it's definitely a good experience. So if anybody has never done this, it's definitely worth checking it out for next year. And then and the website is flags on the forty eight dot org org. So you can sign up. And then when do you guys open up the sign ups for it? Uh, usually, it will be the first Monday in August. Right. It's generally about a month before beforehand and yeah. and the sign up process is worth talking about because <laughs> yeah, it is just absolutely. insane right it's like crazy we have um we get approximately twenty thousand hits on the website in five minutes wow so oh, it's overwhelming and you know we always run into problems with the website not being able to handle it because that's like ebay territory like i was i had posted yeah. on the facebook group you know we're this is the the kind of place where you got to have a very robust back end like servers and, and right? yeah and mm-hmm. we're a zero dollar event right like it doesn't cost anything for anybody to participate ever right we don't collect money we don't you know um we don't collect anything so it's really just you know we have to do what we can with the the uh, resources that we have um but it is kind of fun to watch you know we generally get um at least 30 peaks covered uh within the first 20 minutes hmm now that that leads me to a question: How are you organized? Are you a nonprofit, or how, how do you how do you manage risk? Like you have people signing into your website, but mm-hmm. then they like I've been on some gnarly flags in the forty eight where it's been hail and just like how, how does that work? Uh, we we are not organized. Um, we tell people that <laughs> we're not. <laughs> we're we not. tell people that you're hiking at your Assumption own risk, risk, right? Like you're hiking we, at your own risk. We're not a 503C. We're yeah. not. You know, we're nothing. We we don't have any formal organization. Okay. We basically just exist on the internet, and um, you know, we basically tell people, you, you know, this is you participating. Um, you got to be responsible for yourself, and um, we've knock on wood never had a problem. Good, good. One of the um, I mean, it's a rain or shine event because mm. the way we the way we've thought it up, the people that were affected most by 9/11 never had a choice of how their day was going to end. Yeah. So for us, okay, we got to hike in the rain. Okay, we got to do it. Yep. And the response that we get when it's when it's one of those like crazy weather days, 
I mean, it, it's really people get what the event is all about. It's about the memorial, and that's sure. what we want to keep everybody focused on. It's and I, it's really great to see when okay, you're going getting to the summit, and there's absolutely no view whatsoever. It's cold, it's raining, and they set up their flags. And and usually at that point, we have the twelve to two window. But I mean, that's yeah. I mean, we say be smart, right? Just just use, be use smart. Your use use your better judgment. If yeah. if you want to just fly it for like a half hour, that's fine. Turn around, come back. Mm-hmm. You know, no, we don't want anyone getting hurt during this. But. Right. And there, there are times when, you know, the wind is 50 miles an hour and gusting to 60, 70, tears the flag apart. So, you know, I mean, we were talking about um, Adams a few years ago. I did it with one of my groups and we literally didn't even set up a flagpole. We just had one section. We attached the flag and then we moved to the leeward side of the peak uh, because the wind was so... Uh, rapid it was so violent that oh, yeah. we just literally couldn't fly the flag it was tearing itself apart you didn't want to turn yourself into a kite i did not <laughs> want to turn myself into a kite that would have been right. unpleasant but yeah. um but yeah we we literally tell everybody you know use your best judgment if you have to you know basically have one of those little flags on a stick and get to the summit and wave it <laughs> there you go you did there it there you go you right? did it you flew a flag you participated it counts it works, you know, but and the these, last thing. These folks are so determined. I, I remember going to East Osceola, and there's no view up there. Right. 50-foot trees, they they piled PVC pipes straight up to get that flag above the trees. It was so impressive. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Part of the fun is, uh, we were talking about this also, The part of the fun is seeing all the creative ways that people get their flags up and the flagpoles they use and how they secure them. and We definitely everybody. have a few engineers in our, yeah. in our group. <laughs> we I all mean, steal some ideas <laughs> from each other. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. Can so I some really clever a, designs. I'd like to add a 49th peak so that somebody can come hook up my uh, Starlink satellite dish up <laughs> Oh, <in> absolutely. <laughs> yeah, you got it. Sure. That'd be great. Uh, but <laughs> Contact no, this us is, next year. Yeah, exactly. But this is great. I feel like um, as bad of a situation, as bad of an event that 9-11 was I think I look back at that and um, it was a period where after 9-11 happened like I feel like as a country we were the most unified that I've ever felt and that was a good feeling but it didn't last long and I feel like more and more as I get older there's less of that feeling and I feel like events like this can recapture that. And I think the good thing about the hiking community Community. is it doesn't always matter what your background is, what your point of view is on things. Like, you know, when you, when you hike with somebody, you know, you really don't dive into those things. It's more about hiking. And I Mm -hmm. feel like at least for a day, this sort of captures the -hmm. fact that, you know, it is important to have some level of unity and some level of caring about the country, regardless of what perspective you come from. So I thank you. I thank you and all the participants for bringing that for at least one day. Mm-hmm. And I hope that 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 feeling can be rekindled in a little more consistency than we are right now. Yeah, right. and one of the best things about it is that nobody ever talks politics. You know, uh, this is not that's a, a rule. Basically, yeah, we there's no, no politics, politics involved. This is all just you know everybody's going up there and connecting and and participating and. Uh, it's also important to note that um, sort of along the lines of what you were talking about, we actually reserve three peaks um, that are accessible so that people who can't hike can still participate. So Washington, Wildcat, D, and Cannon all have a way to get up without oh, hiking. Yeah. So we save those and we put the word out, you know, if you want to participate but you're physically unable, 
um, you know, whether through age or disability or what have you, you can still participate. You can still get to a summit of a 4,000 footer and fly a flag, you know? So it's, I, that's one of the things I'm most proud of is that we're, mm-hmm. we're trying desperately not to exclude anyone. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And you guys don't even smell that bad either. It's <laughs> not bad. Do you guys have an update? Is it too early? Um, Did you capture all 48? From Liberty, we could see 16 other flags. <laughs> with uh, I, cool. brought a, I brought a telescope. So <laughs> That's awesome. So Epic. That, that was, we could see. I got a great picture of him with this telescope. Musilaki. <laughs> aye, aye, Captain. Um, North and South Kinsman, Cannon. Um Lincoln, Lafayette, Garfield, Galehead, North Twin, South Twin, West Bond, the three bonds. We got. We <laughs> yeah, could get them. We could see Kerrigan. We could see oh, East so Osceola, and we could see Flume. So it was Incredible. cloudy, but like a high ceiling. It so was a very ceiling. high ceiling. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's awesome. And did the Black Hawk do the flyover? Ah, uh, I think they were busy today. They were busy. Yeah. 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 Okay. We didn't yeah. see. We did see a Cessna or something that came by. So there was one little plane that came and flew by. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't and an A-10, was, but we'll was, take what we can get. He was tipping his wings as he was coming by all the peaks, which was which was cool. That's so, cool. Yeah, that might have right. been Jack Daly or something. Could be. Civil could Air be. Patrol. <laughs> could be. Well, thank you so much, guys. Thank and you, guys. I, I gotta, I'm glad gotta, you made it. Thanks for having on us. on that next year, Stomp. we got to do that. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I miss doing that. All right. So, um... I gotta go to the bathroom, so we gotta do Q and A soon. Yeah, Jeez, well, again. well, let's do Q and A. Thank you guys very Thanks, much. Guys. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Yeah. Is there any taker for the Q and A? All right, we have one. Let's uh, get the mic set. You can actually take a seat and get comfy. Yeah. What? Tell us your name. Hi, I'm Jeff from Boston. Longtime fan. My first episode was episode eight on White Mountain Waterfalls when it first came out. Oh, so nice. I've been listening from... So you skipped all the bad ones and went right to the good ones. Well, episode eight, so I've been listening since then, oh. since 2021. Yeah. And my question is, how has doing the podcast, if at all, changed your experience or approach when you're hiking? Because you're talking about all this stuff, and as you're hiking, do you think about, oh, I'm going to do this so I have a story to tell on the podcast? Or you're thinking about all the things that you've talked about as you're going. Has it really changed your experience on the mountains? Oh, Mike's giving me the look. This is a deep question. I mean, honestly, um, I I hike to tune things out. So I don't typically think about the podcast, to be honest with you. Um, I may think about other issues and things going on in my life, but the podcast seems to be a... I don't know. Sometimes it seems like it's 24-7. We're sending texts to each other and this and that. But, uh, yeah, on the trail, I'm either out trying to get some romance with my wife or just to get that sunset. I'm not thinking about much else, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think um, I definitely, like, I'm much more purposeful about, like, I want to hike in order to have some content for the show. But I'd say for me... (laughs) I like really, I honestly like, and I'm embarrassed to admit this, but I like really had an elitist attitude and I was kind of an ass towards like hiking in general. Um, Yeah, I mean, I I definitely sort of like had this sort of like, I'm trail running, I'm like, I want to do speed or whatnot. And I think through not so much the podcast, but just meeting more and more people over time, I've really changed my perspective completely. And I'm really more about like, I don't care whether you're the fastest runner in the world the, or the slowest trail hiker or whatever. I just feel like I, I've gotten 
a lot more sort of like open-minded about hiking and wanting to make sure that everybody experiences hiking regardless of what their physical skills are. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But does I've, that I've feed into the show? Bit, For me, no. It doesn't. Yeah. For I mean, it does. So from a guest perspective, like I want to, like Larson is great and Steve Mason is great, but I also am always pushing to say like, we need to get people that are just regular people that everybody can relate to because oh, not everybody's doing like the seven minute trail <laughs> miles or whatever. So. That's awesome. Thank you for all that you do. Thanks for hosting. Uh, it's really made my hikes in the White Mountains. I actually listened to it on the drive up to, from Boston to the podcast. It's now two hours. It's perfect oh, for the length great. of the yeah. drive. So tell um, us about what you're up to. What are you doing? Uh, so I'm a 50-state high pointer. Okay. So I'm trying to go to all oh, wow. the 50-state high pointers. But Dude. in COVID, I felt like I don't want to bring COVID to other these mountain communities, yeah. particularly out west. So I've been doing the 48. So I'm at 37. Um, wow, so trying to you. hike some more of it, but listening to podcasts on hikes and on the drive has been amazing. So is that your weekend? Do you just hit the car yeah. four and eight, four a.m. Saturday, and you're gone and you're hitting the peaks? Yeah, sometimes I like splurge on like a hostel or a motel room on yeah. Friday night, so I can you know drive up Friday after work. Um, yeah, sleep and wake up early. Oh, that's great. So tell me about Florida and Rhode Island. <laughs> so the the best one is Delaware, which is the oh, corner of a parking lot. Oh, really? Um, but then there are some Western ones that are like really sort of high. Like the highest one, I the highest of the forty eight is Whitney. So I did Whitney in a day. Oh, great. so that's like twenty six miles, six thousand elevation gain. Beautiful hike. And then some of the ones out east are like really low. You can drive to them. Yeah, I think Florida. I've heard is is it like a, a trash? Is it? Is, it's like a, a a capped out trash dump or something? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, but it takes you to like interesting parts of the country. Oh yeah, yeah. That I, I try to like go to the hike and experience that area as well. Oh, so wow. my favorite is Guadalupe in Texas. It's like a beautiful part of the country. Beautiful hike, um, eighty five hundred or so. Yeah. Oh, wow. Awesome. Well, that's interesting. Well, enjoy that book. Yeah. Thanks. I'm excited. Yeah. Are there any other takers out there? Any other deep dark questions you want to throw at us or are we going to do this outro oh Nobby you got a question for us oh god the Nobby yeah and then 19 is going to come up for a minute hey hey, hey. <laughs> all right <laughs> hey uh, is, there, is there any plans for uh, a video like video uh, like YouTube no no, no. <laughs> nobody cares what we look like no no I think I think that'd be a great idea We'll see. I don't know. I, I mean, honestly, I think th- for me, I love the fact that the listenership are, are generally hikers and they've been to these places that we're talking about. And I love the fact that people have to use their imagination as opposed to watching a video of these two frumpy old dudes up here. Um, I don't know. I mean, maybe for an event like this, you know, we'll post this probably, but in general, Nah, I don't think so. But maybe some educational snippets or something. I mean, I, I love like Mike's uh, sequence up Huntington. I mean, that was great. But in terms of the show itself, I don't think we're heading that direction. Very good, Nobby. Are you bummed out? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Car- Caroline, come on up here. I'm going to get my daughter up here for a minute. <clears throat> <laughs> Uh, right here is good. Yeah, just get on. Make sure you're on the mic. Is it on? Hey. Oh yeah. All right. 
All right. So this is my daughter, Caroline. So she, I have three daughters. She's the only one that has stuck it out and continues to hike with me. So you're at like, what, 24 of the 4,000 footers and probably- I think 22 right now. Yeah, yeah. And you've done a bunch of the 52 with a view. So is there any questions you want to ask us? Well, I feel like I pretty much know everything at this point. Yeah. Um, if you want to go into a little bit about your Hilaria Baldwin conspiracy theories. No, no, we don't want to get into that. But. We don't want to get into that. But I guess my question to you is like, of why did you stick with hiking versus your, your sisters who were like, forget it, I don't want to do hiking with dad? Um, we talked a little bit about this on the car ride up here. We mentioned that I'm a pretty agreeable person. If someone asked me to do something, I'm probably going to say yes. So I think that after as many years of just, Caroline, do you want to go hiking? Me saying yes, kind of became my thing yeah. and I definitely enjoy it and enjoy being outside enjoy being up in the mountains so Got I'm glad it. I've stuck with it now you recently have like so I feel like I did a bad job with Caroline and hiking to start with because I would always navigate for her and then now she's old enough where she wants to go out hiking on her own so she's done some solo hikes so can you talk about like how you transitioned from relying on me to navigate to doing your own your own navigation <laughs> Gaia for sure that's my um, main navigation tool but I think um being out going solo has been a good experience. Um, I have fond memories of Tecumseh, which was my first solo hike last fall, um, being out in the foliage. And um, being by yourself, it can definitely be a little bit of a challenge because there's not as many people to like bounce things off of. It's hard to just like be by yourself, keeping your thoughts in your head instead of having someone to bounce them off of. But um, yeah, I think that um, navigation in general, it's been something that I've um, just been learning, definitely watching you do it. Um, <laughs> um, following blazes has been an important skill that you've taught me, I think. Awesome. And then uh, do you, in your mind, do you have any like plans to do any like crazy like long trails, Appalachian Trail or anything like that in the future? I've been thinking about maybe doing a section hike of somewhere in like Virginia, depending on what it's like after I graduate college. I was thinking about it last year, but that didn't end up happening. But I would love to start hiking out, out in Worcester too. So okay. see what happens well, with that. Build up your resume. Maybe we'll have you on the show. For sure, for sure. Right. Well, I'm <laughs> proud of you. I think that you're, you're, I'm looking forward to you finishing the 4,000 footers. And I'm, I'm, on, I'm your wingman whenever you want to get out there and hike. Thank you. So, did you hear that, Devin? <laughs> All right. Anything else, Stomp? Yeah. Lynn, do you want to come up for a second? We have uh, a member of the 48 Peaks Alzheimer's. So, we're just going to finish up with this. And, um, you know, we've, we try to support charities when we can and uh, athletes and whatever else. And we'll see where we go from there. But, Lynn uh, is part of the 48 uh, Al Peaks Alzheimer's crew. And it's a charity. Um, so, I want you to just give us a little update on what you guys are up to and what you're all about. All right, thanks. Um, yep, my name's Lynn, and I work with the uh, volunteer with the Alzheimer's Association for the Longest Day. Um, each year we put on an event called 48 Peaks for the Longest Day, and similar to Flags on the 48, there are teams of 10 on each of the 48 peaks, 4,000-foot uh, peaks, and so each year we look for hikers, we look for uh, fundraising, donations, support, community support. So this year's event raised over $238,000. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Um, I have to give a shout out to the Hiking Buddies, uh, New Hampshire 48, because I think about 70% of that money came from folks that originated from Hiking Buddies, New Hampshire 48. So if anybody's here, thank you. Awesome. What's the goal for next year? Now, well, now you have to like live up to that next year, right? Goal for next year, five hundred thousand. <laughs> All right, double it. Awesome, yep. Yep. incredible. And then what about you? What's going on with your knee there? 
Did you, did you hike today? Is that? Yeah, I did flags on the 48. Oh, you did? What peak do you go to? Musalak. Musalak. Oh, that's a good one. How yeah. was the crowds? Uh, there was a lot of people on the summit. There were probably 50 to 60 people on the summit, I would say. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 Coming down, we ran into Pemisar, actually. They were on their way up for a, something about a lower leg injury, maybe. Really? We ran into one of the folks. We came down the Snapper Trail. They were going up Gorge Brook. So hopefully they're okay. That, oh, wow. You know, that was all right. Yeah. yeah. Now, have you done all the 4,000-footers? I have not. Musalak was number nine for me. Oh, so you're relatively new. Yeah, relatively. My first foray was a, a presidential traverse, so I started oh, the wow. easy one. right in the deep end. Yeah. And you're, you're tapped in with the veterans on the 48 correct? Um, I, I don't hike with them yet, but okay. I was actually gifted this beautiful shirt um, yeah. by one of the veterans, and so eventually I would like to get on a hike with them. Um, I know that they supported uh, Flags on the 48 very much as well this year. Yeah, great crew. Yeah. Awesome. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, good for you. Musalaki must have been an awesome view today. We actually got really great views. We were concerned that, you know, but again, the, the cloud ceiling was pretty high, so we got excellent views, and at some point it, it did cool down a little. The clouds came moving in, and that was about the time we headed out, so great. it was great. Super cool. Yeah. Well, hey, Mike, let's take a selfie, a reverse selfie with the whole crew here. Sure. I'll do that. Very cool. Very cool. <laughs> right on. All right. Well, thank you so much, everybody. I think this concludes the show. I appreciate you sticking with us, and hopefully this wasn't too boring. So good job, Stomp. Thanks for listening. you for listening if you enjoyed the show you can subscribe on apple podcasts spotify podbean youtube or wherever you listen to podcasts if you want to learn more about the topics covered in today's show please check out the show notes and safety information at slasherpodcast.com that's s-l-a-s-r podcast.com you can also follow the show on Facebook and Instagram. We hope you'll join us next week for another great show. Until then, on behalf of Mike and Stomp, get out there and crush some mega peaks. Now covered in scratches, blisters, and bug bites, Chris Staff wanted to complete his most challenging day hike ever. Fishing game officers say the hiker from Florida activated an emergency beacon yesterday morning. He was hiking along the Appalachian Trail when the weather started to get worse. Officials say the snow was piled up to three feet in some spots, and there was a wind chill of minus one degree. And there's three words to describe this race. Do we all know where they are? Lieutenant James Nealon, New Hampshire Fishing Games. Lieutenant, thanks for being with us today. Thanks for having me. What are some of the most common mistakes you see people make when they're heading out on the trails to hike here in New Hampshire? It seems to me the most common is being unprepared, and I think if they just simply visited uh, hikesafe.com and got a list of the 10 essential items and had those in their packs, they probably would have no need to ever call us at all.